66 is not the end. May the end be when Christ returns. But between now and then, there is still the ongoing challenge of how really to continue to be that witness. Rosalind already read for us the passage that we, I, I want to look at today. So I won't read it again since it's so well done by Rosalind. Allow me to pray. I should pray. Father, I give thanks to you for really your grace, a sustaining Penang Trinity, this congregation right here for over six decades. Thank you, Lord, for your work that had begun and is continuing. Father, I pray that you continue to renew all of our love for you. And tonight, as we consider your word, as you bring your word to our hearts, Father, I pray we may all, including myself, hear your voice speaking to us. So Holy Spirit, I acknowledge our need for you. Speak to us, Lord, we pray, because your children are listening. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. I've entitled this message, The Life You Now Live. The Life You Now Live. Now, you may not realize it, but we live as an outpost of God's kingdom in foreign territory. Perhaps you might think of it even as hostile territory. It's hostile because the prevailing kingdom around us is not that of God's. We who have been saved and are of a different kingdom now, we may find living as the people of God not so easy. Simply because all around us, lifestyles are different. Lifestyles are contrary to the kingdom of God. But actually, it's very familiar to us because that's where we came from. We have been saved out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Therefore, seeking to continue to live as Christ followers is somewhat like swimming against the tide. The tide is outside of us and we're swimming, out, swimming against it. But to some degree, the tide is inside of us as well. Sometimes we also forget that our familiar ways of living it's not the way we are supposed to live. Just because we are familiar with it and we are comfortable with it does not necessarily mean that it is the way of the kingdom. So to continue to, re to remind ourselves in, about this new life, we have to begin by reminding ourselves that this life that we've been called to live is possible only to Christ alone. This life you now live this life you now have in Christ is a life that can only be lived when we recognize that it is identified with Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It begins with our identification with Christ. Someone who truly understands who he or she is in Christ is further along the road 
to true holiness than someone who, in confusion, anxiously imagines that the new life that we're supposed to live is a result rather than a starting point of the daily battle with temptation. This life in Christ is according to God's purpose in creation, which is to create a humankind who could live in, a, in the abundance of God's creation and His goodness. A humankind who would gladly live with God and work with Him in managing the earth. That was God's original intent before the fall. God's purpose in redemption is to redeem and produce men and women to become truly human again, back to the design of Eden before the fall. People who will live with and serve God with gladness of heart. To live out our true humanity, which Jesus lived out in demonstration for us. He was the first fully human lived out on this earth after the fall. This is the holy life. This is the life of holiness. Holiness has got a bad rap, the word holiness, yeah? Everybody thinks that holiness is a set of restrictions upon one's life in order to pacify an angry God. But rather, it is a life of obedience to experience the good and what Jesus calls the abundant life that God designed for us to live. And this life is ours in Christ. You know, Paul talks about this a lot, about what is in Christ for us, about 80 times. I mean, you know verses like Galatians where say, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now this life that we've been given cannot be lived any other way other than in Christ. We have not been called to live this life on our own basis, to work it out from our own strength, only in Christ and through Christ. Now when Paul writes that this life is in Christ, he means that this new life in Christ is a settled reality. He writes, since then, in chapter 3, verse 1, right at the beginning of the chapter, he says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. Paul tells us that believers have already died to sin, past tense. Died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. And we have been raised to life, past tense. Because we are identified with Jesus Christ, we have been granted new life, which has given us the capacity to live a new kind of life. Now, this new life is real. This new life, this innate ability to live a holy life 
is real. It is not a hope. It is not a wish. It is not something in the future. It is now. Now, for many people, for many of us, it may not seem or feel like it's real. But the true reality, the spiritual reality affirmed by the authority of God, the ultimate authority who declares what is real and what is not, what is true and what is not, is that you and I, who are followers of Jesus Christ, have a new life. Now. And this life was bought for you through the work of Christ. In his life, his death, his resurrection. Your status, your citizenship has changed. You have been raised with Christ in the language of Paul. It's an elevated place, no longer bound to the earthly experience. Let me give you uh, an illustration. We must distinguish between our experience and reality. Uh, I booked my ticket to come here, uh, I think a week ago or something like that. And I probably forgot all about it, but paid, got a confirmation, and I probably forgot about it. And last night I thought, hey, I don't think I've received a ticket, you know. Uh, I haven't noticed the ticket. Oh dear, let me check instead in case something went wrong. So I frantically, uh, was it this morning? Yes, it was this morning. I frantically this morning looked through my email, found, oh, okay, there's a confirmation. Okay, great. Now I want to check, do a web check-in. So I went to the web check-in site and I filled in the details as I understood it. Lo and behold, it said, no record found. Oh, now I thought, oh gosh, it's, it's a few more hours. Worst comes to worst, I can still drive and make it there la, in Penang, right? Still can. La. I tried again and again. After many harrowing attempts, I finally found the right code and discovered, okay, I managed to check in. There was actually a ticket. My experience was, ayo, God, I'm going to have one. Say law, it's very Cantonese. See liao. I was like, all morning, I was like, ayo, do I have, did I get, actually get the booking go through or not? But in reality, it was already in the system. The truth was, I had booked the ticket. It had been confirmed. All I needed to do was get the right information to do a web check-in. The fact that I was flustered and could not do the web check-in because I stupidly put in the wrong one, I was misled, I was whatever, did not change that reality that I already had a ticket booked. Likewise, we have been given a new life in Christ Jesus. Our experience, it's not to say that it doesn't count, it, 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 it throws us off, but we need to come back to the authority who tells us, you have a new life. Our experience does not mean that it's the reality. You are not captive to the values of this world. You can now live according to God's values, God's values for intended humanity, that abundant life. 
Paul's point is let your living then be worthy of this heavenly position. Paul uses the language, once you were a foreigner, now you are a citizen. Previously, my language, previously a pauper, now a prince. We may still look at ourselves and see ourselves in pauper's clothes, as it were, because our experience is like that. But it doesn't change the reality that we have been made princes. The reality of our new life and status in Christ should produce in us new motivations and a new focus. This new life has a new focus and new hope. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says, set your minds and set your hearts and minds on things above. We who are followers of Jesus Christ are not to be concerned only with the things of this life on earth. Now, it's not to say that we don't care whatsoever. It's true. We have to look after the things of this temporal life, of this earthly life. But Paul is saying, you've got to lift your eyes above it as well. We are not bound by the temporal things. We are need to learn to see everything in our lives against the backdrop of eternity. With a new resurrection perspective on life, the eternal has to impact the temporal. I'm not that young. Okay, I'm 61. And by the grace of God, I'll live to 80. Lah. Okay? But who knows? There isn't that much time to do all the things that I ever want to do. My wife loves, loves to garden. When we lived in Australia, we had a backyard that was very huge. So she would love to plant. When we moved back, we had a tiny plot. Now we live in a condo, it's a balcony. That's all. So we, my wife and I said, there are many things that we won't be able to do that we would like to do. We want to. But it's okay because we have all eternity to do it. My wife hates the sun. When Australia is it's okay, the, temp, the, the, the weather is moderate. Come back to Malaysia, who are hot. Say, oh, yo. So I always joke with her. In heaven, the temperature will be moderate. Okay? We don't have to get everything we want and desire in this earthly life because our existence extends beyond death. No, it's a common perspective that the physical material life is the only real life, sometimes even among Christians. So if this is the only existence that is real and is limited by years, obviously you say, better make the most of it. Right? Better make the most of it. No time to waste. Get it done. Travel the world or whatever. And hence, the attempt to acquire as much as possible, A-M-A-P, I make up myself, to experience and enjoy as much as possible, A-M-A-P, since pleasure, fun is the only good thing about life. That is a prevailing mindset. This life is all there is, so get on with it as quickly as you can, as much as you can, 
Because when it ends, it's over. But Paul says, set your minds on things above because this life is actually a prelude to your eternal life which has already begun. There is more to life than this. And in Christ, because you have been raised with Christ, you can actually begin experiencing the new life. The eternal life has already begun. But it can only be experienced when we begin, as Paul says, to set your minds on your mind and hearts on things above. Let your perspective, let your desires be on things beyond the temporal. Enjoy what is temporal, yes. But recognize there is more beyond the temporal into the eternal. To the life God has meant for you to enjoy. This life on earth in Christ is but a foretaste. It's meant to make us long yet for eternity. So many people and so many Christians I meet, it's like this life is all there is. Heaven, well, eternity is better than the other place. That's all. Because the other place is bad. Heaven is okay. Lah. But actually, earth, ah, this life ah, is the best. But I think the Christian view is this life in Christ is but a foretaste. If we will live this life in Christ, setting our hearts and minds on things above, we will discover what God has in store for us in greater measure in eternity. You know, Paul gives us an expectation. In verse 12, or sorry, in verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. This future expectation of glory together with Christ, our completed state of glory. As we walk with Christ in this life, Paul puts it this way. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And Paul says, one day we will share the, the glory of, together with Christ. That is our future completed state. But now we taste it in increasing measure. All this is real. Now I was thinking about this and uh, I was talking to Jong Jin about emigration. Not that he's emigrating, okay? But a lot of our uh, fellow citizens have been emigrating away. And I know a lot of refugees. Right? And these refugees, you know, like in a country, right, they, their life is... Um, is a bit harassed. Yeah? But one day, they will, if they are, they are registered with UNHCR, one day, they will get that notice that they are they're going to be resettled. Right? There will be papers and everything that will change their status from being a refugee 
to one who will be resettled. In every way you look at them, they are exactly the same. Nothing about them has changed. But their status has changed. When their status has changed, their perspective begins to change. Now they have a future. Previously, they were not sure that they have a future. Now when they see their children, I have a colleague, someone who is in our, uh, in our church, who serves with us. Now he can look at his young son and realize that his young son has a much better future rather than merely being a refugee child. Their standing before the authority is now different. In every way I look at him, same, same. But once those papers come through, his status legally is changed. This life that we have in Christ, only possible in Christ, has already been given to us. Our standing before God has changed. You may think you are the same before you came to Christ as before you came to Christ. No, you're not. You are different. And God, the ultimate authority, has declared it to be so. Oh, there are other people, who, other voices that will say, you have not changed. You know where those voices come from. But God says, you are now mine. You are now my child. You are now my kingdom. You are now in my family. So many Christians do not understand this. And therefore, when we talk about holiness, they think this is something we have to work, at, work out. In a sense, yes. But please understand where I'm coming from. We don't work in order to be holy. Because we are holy, we learn to live holy lives. We are already new creation. You are already new creation. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are already a new creation. And now, from this place of already being new, we are called to live according to this new life. Like my colleague who is now uh, ready to be resettled to the United States. He now will have to learn improve his English. He will now will have to learn what it means to live in America. He will have to learn what it means to live now, no longer as a helpless refugee, but now as being someone who is re resettled properly, who is on the way to becoming a citizen of another country. The view of typical religion is that you need to do it yourself. You need to make yourself new. This is not so for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We have been made new. So, this being our new nature and our new life, how do we live to begin experiencing this new life, this life in holiness? In increasing measure. Paul tells us, well, it is a life that lives behind the old. This life has to live behind the old. This new life that you have has to live behind, living behind the old. Life. It makes sense, right? You have the new, why you keep the old? Okay, why are you still using the old? The truth is because we are habitual, because we are comfortable with the old. 
like an old T-shirt, right? Wives, you know, your husbands, yeah, okay. Christ has given us new life. And the believer's objective must be to live it. It is not something that we put on a mantelpiece and leave it there. How sad would it be for my, my, my colleague who now has got resettled, has got all the papers, just to leave it in the fire and file it away and say, okay, can, but not move, not buy a ticket, not actually make the move. We have to leave the old behind. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a familiar verse, if anyone has in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Romans 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away so that we might no longer be slaves to sin. Christ changed our life. He changed the very fundamental of our being. Now it's up to us to change how we actually live it out. And in this passage, Paul talks about three categories of behavior. He talks about perverted passions. He's talked about hot tempers. Talked about sharp tongues. And he kind of treats it slightly differently. Firstly, he says, some things are you need to exterminate. The language is strong. He says, put to death. End it. Finish it off. Exterminate. Put to death. And it's got a short list there. Sexual immorality simply means illicit sexual behavior. Impurity, that which makes, is totally incompatible with our Savior who is pure. He tells us that we are not to be slaves to our lust evil desires, not to be greedy or covetous in the old King James. You know, these things, Paul says, you are to ruthlessly put to death. Eliminate it, not regulate it, not manage it. It is not about behavior modification, I think Paul is telling us, take a fierce attitude towards it. Why? Why? Why does Paul say, put it to death? Don't manage it. Don't, don't turn it in. Don't domesticate it. Kill it. Don't bring it into your house and you know, turn it in, tame it. No, don't. He says, kill it. Why? Because he says, these are the very things that bring the wrath of God. These are the very things, if I may paraphrase it, that will destroy, that destroy humankind. He says, these are the ways that you used to live. Okay? Don't go back there. Don't go back there. You were saved from that. Don't go back there. These are the very things that destroy our sense of humanity. In other words, these things make people less human. And the purpose of God in redemption is to, be, make, to create a, a humankind that it becomes human, truly human. Be like Christ, but Christ actually is the complete human. 
Every time we give in to such sins, we become less human. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul writes, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So Paul says, exterminate the behaviors of the old. Remember, we are not to domesticate it. You know, it's fine, nah, a little bit okay one. It's not, not too much. Nah. When, it talk, when, when it comes to illicit sexual behavior, it's not, there's no such thing as moderation. Okay? If I may be a bit mathematical, it's binary. It's zero, one. It's either God or don't have. Uh, either don't have or have. There is no grade. Paul says, exterminate. Put to death. Because these things destroy you. But he also tells us to evict the old habits. You know, he tells us to uh, put off, in, in some translations, put off. In the NIV, it says, get rid of. You know, believers are to discard their old repulsive habits like old clothes. Throw it out. Get rid of it. We are supposed to be putting on behaviors and attitudes that reflect this new nature that we have been given. From a beggar to a pauper to a prince, then it's only appropriate for us to cast off the beggarly clothing and put on the princely garments, the princely robes. We may have gotten used to it, the old clothing, the princely clothing, the, the princely robes may feel awkward because we're not used to it. Paul says, get rid of the old ones. Don't go back there. Evict it. Kick it out. Now he talks, what does he name in this list? He talks about anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Anybody not have an angry thought? You do, right? Has never a slanderous thought ever crossed your mind? God. But Paul says, don't let this guy settle in your house. Evict it. It's a squat. Don't let it squat in your house. Evict it. Get rid of it. When you notice that it's there, evict it. To experience the new. We not only have to put off the old habits, the old ways, but we have to embrace the new. This life that we've been given is a life that chooses the new. Firstly, choosing to live this new life, it is not just about new behaviors. This is not about learning to live uh, new, new ways of behaving. Firstly, is most important is to know that you are already being made to live that. It is now actually more natural for you in Christ by the power of the Spirit to live 
these new behaviours, as it were. Live from your new status. Once a pauper, now a prince, live from being a prince. Uh, a prince. Don't try to be a prince, thinking yourself being a beggar. But be a prince, live as a prince because you are already a prince. You already have a new life. You already have an innate ability to live holy lives. You know, Paul, Paul premises everything that he says in this chapter on, on the fact that we have been raised with Christ, settled. Then he, he says we basically have to live from that place. We have already been raised. He states the same idea in chapter uh, 3, verse 10, and then he kind of emphatically rewords it and says the same thing in verse 12, which is, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love. It's a new status. He didn't say that you are to make sure you try to be holy so that you can be loved. No. You are holy and you are dearly loved. Paul reminds us that we are God's chosen people. Now this, this expression, chosen people, holy, beloved, these are Old Testament designations for Israel, you know. But now apply to the church of Jesus Christ. Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Church, you're not, you're not where I come from, but still, you are church, right? The church of Jesus Christ. Church, you are dearly loved now. You are God's special possession. You are a royal priesthood. You are holy and dearly loved. Live from that place. God assures us who are in Christ that our membership, our being set apart for service, does not depend on us being good enough, but rather on His grace. Not about our loveliness, but upon His love. You are dearly loved. You are chosen. Live from your new status. Lastly, Paul tells us, live in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know what does it mean to act in someone else's name? It means to represent that person and to be empowered to represent that person in his name. Meaning to say, he tells us, use this as a good gauge. Can I do this if I'm representing Jesus Christ, my Lord? Think of it as a neon light on your forehead that says, Jesus, I belong to Jesus. And ask yourself, if you go around doing what you are doing, would you be representing Christ well? I'm sure Penang Trinity has a T-shirt, right? 
Every church has a T-shirt. I'm sure you have a T-shirt. When you wear the T-shirt around, you're representing Penang Trinity. When we go about our lives and people know that we are followers of Jesus, we are wearing on ourselves the name of Jesus. Paul says, do everything. Live your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, giving thanks to the Father through Him. Grateful worship. Gratitude in living our lives. You know, this life that you've been set apart for, this is a life of holiness. But this life of holiness is not a life that is purely religious. This life of holiness is your life, your complete life, every aspect of your life. Because Paul writes there in verse 17, whatever you do, that's all of life. Whether it's the manual work that you may do, whether it's serving with a politician, whether it's raising a family, teaching classes, playing tennis, or whatever. And whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we live from that place, knowing that we have been made holy, meaning we've been set apart by God, it says, here, live in my kingdom, under my grace, with my power. When we live there and learn to live accordingly, that's holy living. Holy living is not putting restrictions on ourselves in order to pacify an angry God, but it is learning to obey God in our new nature that we might experience His goodness and His grace in us as a foretaste to the complete glorious life that we have in Christ beyond death, beyond this temporal life. So if I may sum it up, this life of Christ set apart from your past life, set apart from our world, is this life of holiness, living in the goodness and the grace of our Father. This life is for those who are in Christ. And really, it can only truly be lived from that truth that we already have this life. It is not something we earn. It is not something we engineer. We live from that place. You think of it, you have all the documents. You are authenticated as being a new creation already. To live out this life, we must, our focus must be beyond the temporal. There is more there to life than this. There is more than merely this temporal, earthly life. To live this holy life, we have to leave behind the old life because the old life is the one that robs us of experiencing all that is good from God. Be ruthless, Paul says. Exterminate. Evict. Kick out the old habits because those things 
keep us from all that God wants for us to experience in this set-apart, holy life. Finally, remember that all the new behaviours, so to speak, need to come from a place of our new identity. We don't have to try to be holy. We are. Live from that place. We need to live from this identity that you are already a new creation. You are a holy people. This new identity that's been made available to us in Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we give thanks to you for all that you have done. Lord, when we contemplate what you have accomplished through Jesus for us, we can only respond in awe and worship and thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you have made us sons and daughters. You have made us princes and princesses in your kingdom. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you will help your people realize that they are already new. And for us to be able to experience all the goodness and grace of yours in living holy lives, it's because you have already made us holy. So Lord, stir our hearts that we may want all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, bring your word to our hearts, even now. Let none of us who are in Christ Jesus miss out on your goodness simply because we have been misled to think that we have not been made new. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. This is our prayer. Asking in Jesus' name. Amen.